process, before productivity, before consequence, there is you. Before community, before responsibility, before the right thing to do, there is the gut. Welcome to Eyes Eye, a podcast in favor of vision and capacity. My name is Nashtu, and this is a David Demawi recipe. Enjoy. Your thoughts, not your feelings, decide nothing. Obey the gut, right there in the intestines. There is the eye's eye. We have got to stop those evil rats. Good luck, my planeteers. The hopes of Earth go with you. Oh God, this is this is messy. Ah, oh, please bring it. I like it already. I always kind of sensed I wanted to be powerful, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which sounds bad, but it wasn't. Why does it sound bad? Because you know, like lust for power or something like like that. Mm. But that that really wasn't what it what it was. It just was like in an insane need to have a voice and be present and heard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that like translated itself into like all kinds of weird different like ideas of what I would do. Like I would become a politician. Yeah. I would become, um, I wanted to become a war photographer at a certain point. Wow, okay. That was super weird. My dad laughed at me a lot because of it. Cause I was, yeah. I was like super scared of a lot of stuff when I was kid. so like, I really wanted to have agency, yeah. and I really wanted uh, some. And I, I always had a very strong sense, and I, this comes like this lives in my family. My parents have the same thing: is a very strong sense for injustice. It was always like have agency to correct injustice, but then how? You don't know, right? And then I also got like really confused along the way because like you're not supposed to like want these big things for yourself and you're not supposed to have these big dreams. It was school, mm-hmm. it was teachers, it was children, friends. That kind of was the vibe, like just act normal. Just don't 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 put your head above the grass. Don't try don't go for it don't fail also don't fail like mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. try you will fail like yeah i remember that i had this teacher it was my math teacher he's like he was like did a demon like, <laughs> they, 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 they get, get the, the reputation and i did lot. six hours of math maths in high school so i was in his classroom six hours a week so like we fought a lot and then like he just got really angry at me and a lot of and so, and, and I had other problems with people at, at the school and in the end, like, I had to go to, like, the, the vice principal's office a lot of times and he was a kind man. Okay. And he just said to me, like, you know, like, high trees always catch a lot of wind and I was, like, saying to him, like, I'm not a high tree, I'm a super tiny person. Why do you perceive me that way? It's like, that's just who you are. Mm-hmm. And I, then I didn't want to be that person because it, it just gave me negative things. And for years, like, I was really pretending 
like I didn't want to be that person. I went to a different place. Literally, I went, I, I finished university and I moved to, to a different city. It was awfully rash of you to take that thing on by yourself, Lionel. But awfully courageous, too. Schnaff, <laughs> 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 Never had any use for courage myself. It just gets them as has it into trouble. I just felt like here it, it was so heavy. Indent. Yeah, everything was so heavy. Everything was like just the city streets were like paved with like history, personal history. And I, and you know, I was raised here. I grew up here. I never lived anywhere else. Like people go to college in other places, but I never did that. And there was just too much history. One, there was also like an imposed view of who I was, mm -hmm. according to people. One that maybe didn't really coincide with who I really was or wanted to be. And then also, I feel like this city has a, a big issue with just um, what I call the old left and being very like for the status quo and accepting racism, accepting uh, sexism, accepting keeping people out to preserve your power structure was afraid to um, expose myself my true self here because i felt like people could really get to me and hurt me and so i went somewhere else and there it went real quick and real smooth and then a lot of people here were very angry at me in ghent yeah. i mean the first thing was to accept the failure that came before huh? like i took uh, a lot longer than a normal person would to graduate from my studies. So accepting that failure and seeing it not as a failure of your intellect or abilities. Secondly, accepting also that it is okay to be heard and use agency and power in certain contexts if you're an ethical person. It is okay to use certain skills you have like i think i might have a little bit of the gift of the tongue like being able to to speak well and so it's okay to want these things for yourself mm -hmm. and also it's okay to want a better world to mm -hmm. want to improve this world and to say that something is wrong with this world because that was something that was very difficult to say when i lived here and that's because i that's also because of the context that I created for myself. Like, it's not just like the city's fault. It's just like how I was at that time. And I immediately fell into like connected with amazing people who helped me, guided me to something else. And like in one year, it just happened. You know, I think what kind of happened was I had gone to um, Central Africa for three months before mm -hmm. I moved from Ghent to Brussels. Okay. And it made me super aware of not only of um, race and 
my race, but also of my privilege mm -hmm. as um, mixed race woman, almost very light skinned as well. Um, and that really like struck me. And then I just met some people who asked me to speak somewhere mm -hmm. or to write something. And I wrote some pieces. I spoke at some events. And then a friend of mine from Ghent, an old friend of mine, she said to me, you need to apply for this writing, um, this writing, what they call like a retreat or something like that, like that, where you go to Paris for 10 days. I wrote a piece there and it was published the day after we got back. I was at the Helsinki. It was ten in the morning. There like I was so drunk with with that same friend. <laughs> yeah. We went to the newspaper shop to buy this newspaper. How the sweet title, is that? The title of the piece was "Why I Left Ghent." Hmm. And then, like a lot of people were upset at me, like yeah, at the yeah, last yeah, month yeah, at that yeah, same yeah, time yeah. because they were like, "Yeah, you're shitting on our city and stuff like that." But. It was like a super cool moment. I imagine. <laughs> it was like two two pages, man. Like, yeah, how wow, overwhelming is that? In, yeah. In a national newspaper, like I never thought I could want or have this. And from there, like things went quite quickly because at that time, um, it was kind of like the beginning of race being discussed so intensively in national media. But it was really the beginning. It just escalated from there. And then, yeah, you're suddenly an activist, you're suddenly a writer, you're suddenly all these things. And I'm like, I just have a history degree. Also, I didn't have a job, so. Okay. Like, oh, I did have a job, but uh, I was like unemployed for a very long time. Okay, yeah. And there were no jobs at the time. So I worked in migration services okay. as the first, um, so like the first intake mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. people but this was the time i don't know if you remember this when like every day the lines at the migration office were, were super long like everyone was yeah, overwhelmed yeah. Was so they hired a lot of people i was one of those people um so a lot of mismanagement like even like the red Red Cross came into the place where we worked to measure the oxygen level. Wow. And it was too, way, like, three, too low. Way for, too for low. Yeah. And I, I remember this super strange thing is that they read, the Red Cross was, say, was saying, like, yeah, you can't put people in this room for like a full day. That's like insane. And it is, it's inhuman. But the thing is, like, we worked there every day. Like, yeah. we were there yeah. every day. Yeah. To be honest, mm -hmm. it wasn't that confronting in the sense that this didn't surprise me at all. Because um, because you know that it's bad and you know that it's even worse than what you think it's going to be beforehand. Okay. What did surprise me was the monotony of it. Hmm. How it became. How mechanical it became. Yeah, because you have a set form of questions and this you have to realize this is the first uh public official they see who's, mm -hmm. t who's talking to them for a long time this is before they get housing for anything this is the first intake 
the monotony of it because also then you have to so you do everything like who the person is where they're from uh, their family like everything 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 and like you can pretty much based on the country of origin fill in half the form before the person right. even talks to you it's right. super fucked up it's super fucked up it's super weird as well because it's a double thing right you you have an expectation and they that they're gonna say something yeah and then also it's like uh, the influence of the waiting room where people talk to each other but also of the smugglers who tell them what to say what to, okay yeah um so like you know somalia he's gonna say he's either from Mogadishu or from the bush okay and then okay, he, he, okay. there will be no specific specifics except from from the bush or for example um i did a lot of iraq iraq mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it was uh, a lot of like just always sectarian violence and then afterwards i started like my career uh, outside of asylum service advanced and i started working for the commissariat for refugees okay which is where you do the inter you do the in-depth interview and then you decide whether or not someone gets refugee status oh, that was the worst um but to refuse someone it is as i said a me mechanical and at the same time the most horrible thing <laughs> With this giant land blaster, I'll be able to drill broil anywhere. <laughs> yeah, boss. Yeah. Even in the wildlife sanctuary. Right. And before anybody even knows we're here, we'll have our tanks full of oil and be gone. <laughs> I'll be so rich, I'll be in hog heaven. <laughs> You know, like this concept, I think it's Marxist, like the Marx who said it, like something of capitalism that that dehumanizes you. Mm -hmm. This is like, that's how I felt like um, the concept of law mm. and administration dehumanizing you and your interaction with that person with that person sitting in front of me. Yeah. People knew who I was because I was publishing at the time. But I mean, recognizable is a very relative concept <laughs> because okay. I'm not famous in any way. I mean, this is still like Flanders and then a small part of Flanders reads a certain newspaper at a certain day. Uh, and so people follow your work, yes, okay. but it's not like you're recognizable in the sense that people stop you in the streets or you're on any major television show or whatever. I hear you. Um, but it was hard because my, they were worried at my job that I would say something bad about the job. They were worried. Uh, I was worried that people wouldn't think I had authority to because I was working in this institution 
it was also very hard to work there to emotionally mm -hmm. uh, for me and for a lot of my colleagues. My, my idea of quality was we go into depth and we also like this is, this is some, something you need to understand there as well is that intercultural communication is on its highest peak when you're in this situation. People from different places in the world tell stories differently. And we expect them to start at the beginning and at a certain place, give a lot of details, all that stuff. But even when you're doing your asylum claim, some people don't know how to tell a story in this westernized way. And for me, with people from Afghanistan, it was very challenging. Because I know African, uh, Central African storytelling, I know Western Euro European storytelling, but Afghani uh, storytelling yeah, 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 yeah. is totally something different. But the thing is, what happened was, a lot of the time when you really connect with someone, you look them into the eye, you're honest with them, you tell them the story you're telling me, I don't believe you for this and this reason. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They will often tell you the, the another another they will open the, the up. more yeah. truthful story, and so much of the time that saved them, saved their case. Mm -hmm. So the only people I ever had to refuse was because their story was too too trained, like it was yeah, too rehearsed. No, yeah, 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 and you had fake documents and all the stuff and whatever, and you couldn't get true to the other story yeah, underlying yeah, yeah, yeah. or uh, you refuse people because they and that's some, something real is that you have regions where they are considered safe and they immediately told the truth and said that they were from that region so then you have to refuse you have them. to refuse yeah. yeah yeah but that was a very low amount of, of files but i it, it taught me a lot about you know, you have this whole anti-racist, colonial movement. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing and it's super interesting and it's doing a lot of good. We're sitting here in Voret, we're doing all this stuff. But the reality of what colonization is and what decolonization could be is that we have set borders of wealth in our world and wealth and safety and we've externalized the violence to other places. When these people come here, we treat them very badly and they often lose their life on the way here. So working there made sure that, that, that I didn't lose sight of what the most basic premises are. Is what what humanity should be, you know? Empathy, not apathy. It is, like, if it, if it were up to me, I would scratch our colonial borders, especially the ones that protect, try to protect Europe from some kind of danger that the outside world would, um, create for them. It's upsetting to me that this is the way we treat human beings. Yes. And I don't, and I think 
while we're te theorizing and I don't want to be like this person like oh elitist and whatever and too intellectual because that work needs to happen you need to theorize you need to have artistic conversations and 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 all this stuff but while that is happening let's also uh, also do that other work I mean for me it's easier than we want to admit we have garnered a lot of wealth here in the West, mm -hmm. and we are enjoying that wealth. If we're not able, and I am not able, and I don't think you are or anyone is, mm -hmm. to really say, I am ready to lose a lot of that wealth and that security mm -hmm. in the name of what is equitable and hum human human mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, then we just need to open our borders whatever violence may come whatever loss of, 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 of wealth and whatever uh, things we're supposed to be afraid of that would happen we need to do it because it's gonna happen Take a little nap. What's going on? Ah, it's those poor, silly humans again. They're going to destroy my planet if they keep going on like this. What's a mother to do? I guess I napped too long. But how much damage could they do in a century? I told you about pain mm -hmm. and how mm -hmm. if you share your pain with someone, yes. it's just a little lighter. Not that you're putting it on someone else, mm -hmm. but you're just like, you've shared your experience and now you feel better because yes. of it because someone is carrying that with you it's unfair that with the world how we struck the west has structured it that we have all the safety well not all the safety but mm -hmm. a lot of the safety mm -hmm. and um we've externalized all the conflicts to other places in the world mm -hmm. so when these people are fleeing from those places no, we need to do things because they are right. When you want to change uh, an institution, when you want to diversify, don't do it because you think it's going to make your team more productive. Do it because you think everyone has the right to work even if someone doesn't look like you or doesn't think the way that you do. I'm tired of these capitalistic... Um, def uh, theorizing around diversity like it would help us or or this argument that migration is good because you know like it will bring if if treated well then it will bring innovation to your country which is true but it's not a reason to do it or to allow it that you're explaining this to me as like a um a intentional exercise I'm doing. Mm -hmm. No, this is mm -hmm. who I am. Mm -hmm. 
Like, I couldn't even stop it if I wanted to. I hear you. This is how I'm wired. So it, you're saying, like, discipline and all this stuff. I don't have discipline. Like, honestly, anyone can tell you this. Okay. I don't even work out ever. Ever. <laughs> like, I had to walk up these stairs. Yes. This was the worst thing. So, I mean, I'm glad you walked up these I'm stairs. I'm trying to have more discipline now and all these things. But this is, no, this is essentially who I am. Yes. So it isn't hard for me. It isn't an exercise. It is part of my DNA. It's, mm. But I really like what you said about happiness is not relevant to me. I think happiness is a super weird concept to begin isn't with. Isn't it? It's, it's, it's so nuts. Why? What? What is? I mean, sorry. What is happiness even? <laughs> like, do you know? I no have no fucking knows. clue. And look, like, I experience a lot of pain, but that also makes clear to me when, I, when things are beautiful and you experience a lot of happiness. But I don't think there is a state to have where you're happy. I think it's either. I mean, your normal state can never be happiness because then how would you know that you're happy? I mean, yeah, yeah. it like, is... This balance and contrast, yeah, it, it's necessary, it's, right? There's yeah. a middle state, which is like somewhere among... I mean, there's no way to explain it. And you have happiness on the one end and pure misery on the other. And there's all the stuff in the middle. So mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. idea of be happy... I don't even know what that is. Yes. So that's one thing. Secondly, one of them is I call my friends often. I don't text a lot because I hate texting. Uh, and people don't talk on the phone anymore, and that's sad. I love talking on the phone. Yeah. Another thing I do a lot is watch really bad things on YouTube and Netflix. What do you like, mean? What's bad things? Like low-quality shows. Okay. Because Why do you the, do this? This is a survival technique, right? My uh -huh. brain is some is one that is very much always firing. I need something to pull me down, to relax me. That's that. This really relaxes me. Uh, also, look, I'm a heavy set woman, right? Like I'm mm. not skinny at all. Yeah. So uh, it isn't easy for me to find clothes that suit me well. Look, Work. every woman that I know, no, not every woman, because of course there are some women who have experienced things or who have just, their bodies are made a certain way or whatever, that do not enjoy sex the way other people do. But most women that I know, they enjoy sex a lot. And we talk about it a lot. I think yes. we talk about it a lot more than men do. Yeah. I think it's very interesting that People describe like the idea of a woman that she's chaste and and that men are like crazy, and that's true. Like because a lot of sex is about power and and toxic masculinity teaches you that you should be powerful over women, but that's not sex for enjoyment, really. Like mm -hmm. that's like rape is not rape is I mean, about you jump immediately to no, rape. No, 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 but. Let me say, like, yeah. rape is not about enjoying sex. It's about enjoying your power, privilege over someone else. So, um, because that, all that stuff gets convoluted amongst each other, I think it's easier for women to be more joyful about sex. Joyful is when people lie to you.
when they are being dishonest. That's the worst thing. It's not the worst thing that your partner has slept with someone else or will or has while you are together. That's not the most painful thing. The most painful thing is that they, this person that you trust has lied to you about it. So I, I had an open relationship. It was great until he lied to me and cheated on me with someone else. You're lying. That's the whole thing. That's the thing that hurts. The, like he, this is a so mess, but he had um, a relationship with a woman. He had a child with her. Um, he had children from previous marriage before and he's a single father. Mm -hmm. And she took care of his kids, like, and I, and and they were together, but it wasn't great love, you know? Yes. And he met me, we had, like, a really good vibe. I was like, I'm done with, I mean, he was like, I, I fuck around, and I'm like, I, I do too, so let's just agree to be okay with that, you know? And then he... Um, in the end, like I think jealousy came up for him. Mm -hmm. I think also that um, the fact that I was doing the stuff that I was doing, and he thought that she was more dependable. Okay. Um, and I think that he must have loved her still, or something. Look, I I, I don't want to say like he did it because she gives him the security that I can't, couldn't give him because I don't know that like for real worthless piece of junk blasted stabilizer spirals are completely shot so it seems how do things look otherwise not too bad all in all I'm pretty sure I can scrounge enough metal and equipment from the wreck to build us a thunder tank good idea we can always count on you, Panthro. No problem. Main thing in an emergency is to stay calm. Very, very practically, uh, I bought an apartment and I'm renovating it and it's taking forever and I've been like without my own place for a very long time now. So very practically, I dream of creating that house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That house that will be mine. My home, yeah. And of course it would be nice if there are people in that home with me, whether they be friends, whether they be my my godchildren, whether they be partners, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but for me, mostly now, I want to create a home for myself. Look, I'm a cancer, you are too. This is what <laughs> yeah. we do. We create <laughs> yeah. homes for ourselves ourselves so that we can like then travel a lot and but still have, <laughs> yeah, have, have a place yeah. yes um so that's a very concrete dream that i have i hear you um another thing is that i want to write something really beautiful huh. um i've met some really amazing people over the last two years that have told me some very beautiful stories and I would love to write those down in a beautiful way. And there's so many things here that are very high-minded and interesting and whatever, but I, my beauty is very simple. 
I'm not a, I'm not a, yeah, what, what they would call in Dutch a kulturbarbar, that's what I am. Okay. Like, we were listening, you asked me before if I like dance hall, and I, I, said yeah. I did, and I, I listened to a lot of Afrobeat. That's insanely beautiful to me, and yes, it's, yes. it's very, com- Afrobeat, sorry. Yes. That, that is, so not filakuti, but like, not the, not the cool stuff, <laughs> like not filakuti and stuff. No, like soko soko, you know, like <laughs> the, the grinding Mr. club, Mr. Davido, whatever. Yeah, it yeah, makes yeah, yeah, yeah. me so happy. Yeah. Niger sounds. Niger sounds. Yeah. What else makes I think it's beautiful? I think when people sing in perfect harmony, it's super mm-hmm, beautiful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It makes me so so happy. So every kind, every kind of like more roots music. So like folk uh, from Americana, but also like gospel, and uh, also like what I said before, like sa- South African choirs. Just like when people sing in harmony, I don't know for some reason it like tugs at something inside me. Mm-hmm. It instantly makes me cry. It's so strange. Wow. Yeah. So beauty is very uh, auditive for me, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. and it's very much related to music. Just things that are alive. Like I went, I was in Venice for the last Biennale yeah. uh, last year, and I mean, I saw a lot of stuff and whatever. Like I was pretty bored, to be honest. Like there was <laughs> yeah, good wine, it's fair. yeah, and good, pizza, was good wine, yeah. good food, but like the art. Okay, didn't, didn't, didn't touch inside me but then this one thing happened where we went to this one thing foundation and you entered into it and it was like you were entering some kind of like cave kind of primal not, not a primal space but like almost like a heart ca- cavity like it felt like it, something was pulsating there and like the first painting you see is like this Basquiat right but it's like super dimly lit, so you really can't see the painting that well. And it was like, so this is so, pri- this is very, I mean, Primal has a, ve- yeah, Primal has a negative connotation, but I do mean it in the sense of like, this is essential. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is survival, it is beauty in its essence, mm-hmm. not like, beautifully painted curly whirlies or whatever not a perfect image of a person painted onto a canvas not a perfect picture not that doesn't excite me but like just you know when your gut turns how would you go to a friend's house mm-hmm. a friend you don't have a fight with not, nothing like weird is going <laughs> nothing on. fishy yeah yeah that's it. That's b- basically it. Hmm. Hmm. Consider us, consider me, consider you, friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How would you treat us? Yeah. But I'm not. Look, they're very kind. Diff- different kind of kinds of friendship and like mm-hmm. stuff can get real messy and everything else yes but this so so that's why i'm using the the idea of the friend because when you go to a friend's house do you go with preconceived notions of you know um i already know like i believe this and if this person is gonna say to me that it was different the experience was different than it 
it's gonna make me angry or um, you're coming into it with the idea of when he, this person, he or she says to me, um, I'm not feeling well, like mm -hmm. some t stuff is happening in my life. Would you then say to them, oh no, uh, you should be, change your life and everything will be better? Or would you just listen to them mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. give them mm -hmm. space and time to, to express their grievances? and? ask them what you could do for them like that's what the kind of friendship i'm referring to because they're different kinds of friendships so i wanted to qualify that so that's what i'm saying what i said also in my beginning speech is just 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 be just be vulnerable man just let vulnerable vulnerability be inside you be and i don't like the word the sentence be open because mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. what does, what that, does that mean, mean? But vulnerable, that means something. Understand that you don't have to know everything. And understand that there is no thing that is more known. You know, like there is no knowledge that is, that is predefined. Like we might look back at this time and space talking about decolonization and everything else and think in in 15 years like that was whoa that was we were ignoring this whole thing like so that's what i'm trying to to do and so i'm i i just want fragility i want humanity i want embraces i want tears and i want hugs Thank <laughs> you.